Welcome! You're listening to A Pop of Psych, a chill and educational podcast about using psychology to give you more insight into the world around us. My name is Michelle, and I am a rising senior from New Jersey, and I will be one of your hosts on this podcast. Hi, I'm Stacy, and I am a rising junior also from New Jersey. I'm Julia, and I'm a rising junior from New Jersey as well. In the inaugural episode of A Pop of Psych, we will be focusing on the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and its mental health implications. We will also discuss some self-improvement tips and advice that you can apply during this period of quarantine. So I want to start off this conversation on mental health and pandemics with a question, or actually two questions. So what do you associate a pandemic with? And what does the news and media show us, perhaps? I think that generally, I can speak for the majority, uh, most of us, when we think of a pandemic, we think of, and definitely rightfully so, prioritizing public health. And the news focuses on the rising or decreasing numbers of those who are affected, as well as the impact this pandemic has had on hospital capacity, for sure. However, I also think that we tend to overlook the mental health impacts of such pandemics of this scale as well. Adding on to that, I also think that it's extremely useful to look back on previous pandemics to inform us of what is happening right now. And so there's definitely a pattern of association between outbreaks and additional mental health problems, um, especially stress, anxiety, depressive symptoms, insomnia, denial, anger, and fear. So a prior pandemic that I really wanted to discuss in this podcast is the 2003 SARS outbreak. And I wanted to bring this up in particular because it is one that shares many parallels with the current outbreak. So some of the characteristics that the 2003 SARS outbreak shares with the current COVID-19 outbreak can um, include the infectious cause, um, as well as the epidemiological features. So the pattern of how the virus is spreading, so namely the fast transition pattern, and ultimately, as well as the insufficient preparedness of health authorities to address such outbreaks. And so Observations of mental health consequences and measures in this 2003 SARS outbreak, as well as other prior outbreaks, can help um, inform us of the possible remedies to the current situation. And so I want to highlight a study as well. So in a study conducted by the Center for Cognitive and Brain Sciences at the University of Macau, after this team analyzed the 2003 outbreak and compared it to the current one, the researchers made the following conclusions. So firstly, um, the timely mental health care needs should be urgently addressed, which is definitely a priority. And another conclusion they made was that there needs to be more accessible psychological aid services. And so I think that the advent of services like Zoom are definitely a step towards improving the current situation. The second pandemic that I wanted to bring up in this podcast is the Korean MERS outbreak, which occurred in 2015. And I also want to bring up a specific case study. In a case study conducted by a team of researchers from the Department of Psychiatry at the National University of Asuncion, took a look at patients who were being treated with hemodialysis in an isolated environment. And this particular research team studied the patients during their social isolation period for two weeks. And the researchers looked at levels of circulating cell-free genomic DNA and circulating cell-free mitochondrial DNA. 
and these are actually indicators of psychological stress in humans. Ultimately, these indicators, after the two-week period, showed a significant delay in their normalization during the hemodialysis among the isolated patients in comparison to the control group. This case study implied that medical isolation during the Korean MERS outbreak was definitely a factor in causing high levels of stress among these hemodialyzed patients. So if we were to extrapolate the implication of this case study, we can kind of see right now how quarantine and social isolation definitely plays a role in impacting our mental health. After all, we're not seeing our friends, colleagues, and coworkers in person. So this kind of experience is one that we are all sharing right now. In the next segment, Stacy will explore the current situation in death. The novel coronavirus is capable of direct and indirect means of mental health deterioration. To better visualize the situation, so to speak as this is a podcast, three categories of people can be generalized, and it is important to note the overlaps. First of which being confirmed or suspected patients. These people fear the consequences of infection, specifically one, the physical repercussions, but also two, the capability of spreading the disease to those closest to them, but also to those around them. The second category is health professionals. These individuals fear the high risk and rate of infection in their workplace personally, but also spreading the communicable disease to their family and friends. Studies have shown the development of psychiatric disorders during and post-aiding in this population. They are at a critical risk of developing psychological distress, rooted in the demanding workload, the exhaustion of medical supplies and PPE, and the coverage of the media. Also to mention is the general public in isolation and or under lockdown restrictions. These people can be associated with boredom and loneliness in the pandemic, of varying degrees of course, but also lacking purpose and the ability to stay productive for a prolonged period of time. A large majority of them are in some way economically affected by this pandemic, as well as shares concerns of infection and political issues that are being popularized via the media. The commonality amongst these generalized groups is the toll COVID-19 has on mental health in the forms of mental illnesses and disorders. As a disclaimer, the more common mental disorders will be mentioned. This is not to downplay any lesser-known mental disorder that may be exacerbated in a pandemic setting, as it is key to understand that people go through different things, thoughts, emotions, and we should all be accepting of any mental disorder as we are with physical illnesses. Depression. Depression is the mood disorder associated with feelings of sadness and the loss of interest, severely impacting how you think, but also how you function. Depression is furthered in the COVID area because of social isolation and the limiting of contact with other humans, but the safety of every being is still a priority. Anxiety. Anxiety is defined as the human reaction to what is potentially or is stressful and or dangerous, but repeated episodes of anxiety may be rooted in an anxiety disorder. Anxiety is the name for the umbrella of a group of mental disorders, including OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. In a situation of uncertainty, anxiety is a given, especially with the constant updates from the media, but no vision of an end. But when repeated episodes of anxiety hinder your ability to function, a visit to your physician is required. OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. OCD is the abbreviated version of Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, where obsessions or intrusive thoughts, feelings, etc. 
affect the ability of a person to function and or the urge to stop these obsessions via repeated compulsions. In a pandemic setting, there is pressure to implement ritualistic behaviors, such as excessive hand washing, hoarding, and worrying about what is to come as we are in a situation of uncertainty, worsening or potentially developing OCD in the individual. Those with pre-existing mental disorders are among the most vulnerable to the mental effects of this pandemic, as pre-existing mental disorders are exacerbated in the panic-stricken situation that only continues to unfold. Though it is 2020, there is still a stigma associated with mental health, and here's why it needs to end. Some of those with a diagnosable mental illness do not and or cannot seek proper medical attention, but also the line where what is normal and what is excessive is blurry, as behaviors or thought patterns that are excessive are just shrugged off as normal by society, adding fuel to the fire. It is important to note that psychological assistance services reached via telephone, the internet, etc. are more accessible to the public in this pandemic in particular. It was announced on February 2nd of this year, the State Council of China created a psychological assistance hotline, and the CDC has a list of helplines on their website. Please visit the CDC's COVID-19 website for tips and a list of helpful resources. The next segment will be a compilation of advice and recommendations, as discussed equally seriously but conversationally by Julia and me. Moving on to the next segment, Advice for Quarantine. Hi, I'm Julia, and I'm with my co-host, Stacy. Hello. After the quarantine, all my routines have been shifted, and it made me become more aware for balance in my life. The first advice I wanted to give you all is to stop checking the news. Now, I'm not telling you to not get updated on what's going on in the world, but I'm saying that the constant updates, sometimes with misleading information or lack of information, especially on social media, can expose you to conflicting information and can cause more stress. To make this stressful time less stressful, everyone stop looking at the news too frequently. I know for me, when the coronavirus numbers first started coming out, I used to check them like every day and be like, oh, like it just increased by like 10 people in my town. I don't know, increased by 20. And I feel like that causes a lot of pressure on you to just keep checking the news again and again. But like now, like, I don't know, like four months into it, I don't really do it anymore. And I think it's much better. Yeah, me too. My dad, he's always checking the news and like he had a, he got an app for like the news to see how much he, how much increase there was or how many deaths there were. And he like made me really stressful too, even just not, even if I wasn't checking the news, just with someone else like in the house, just constantly checking and made me more stressful. So to make like yourself less stressed and your family less stressed, I think not checking the news constantly would be better overall for your health. Yeah, I agree because it's not really like the end. Like if you see like a lot of like the graphs online, we're like kind of at the peak, we're at the middle, like we're not really at the end right now. So for you to keep checking the news at the time where it's only going to increase, the cases will only increase. It's just not worth it. Not worth your mental health. Yeah. So the second advice would be to limit screen time. And because we're all stuck inside, it's quarantine, lockdown, we're all indoors. The only thing we really have to turn to is a screen, whether it be your phone or your computer. I don't know. I'm always on Netflix like 24-7. My screen time on my computer is like 12 hours at this point. But it's really important to make sure you keep your screen time in check. 
and that you do not go over like I don't know a certain amount that you designate every day because it's really unhealthy for your eyes but it's also unhealthy for your mental health to keep looking at only a screen and not having physical contact with um those you're quarantined with yes yeah I'm guilty of this too honestly before quarantine started my screen time on my phone it was like three hours like average on a week per day but now it's like 11 11 hours per day for the whole week so after that after I saw that I was like I I really try to fix it because I realized how bad how much I was on my phone like I didn't realize I was on my phone that much until I the statistics showed me I was yeah like on the iPhone you have like the thing where it tells you like your screen time was up or like down by this much mine's just up all the time it's like up 22 percent from like last week and I'm like oh my gosh what am I doing but it is important to note that I don't know do you like binge shows on Netflix Julia yeah I do like I watch so much YouTube and Netflix it's so bad Me too. Like right now, I'm like so into Twilight, and I just keep rewatching the movies, <laughs> and I can't stop. I'm pretty sure that like they take like half of my screen time. But yes, I digress. The importance of limiting screen time. Yeah, right now I'm trying to do that. Right now, the third advice I wanted to give was to maintain a healthy and balanced diet during quarantine. I know I've been snacking and eating a lot of junk food recently, which is really bad. How about you, Stacy? Oh my gosh. Like, I like eat things at like 3 a.m. that were not meant to be eaten at 3 a.m. Not meant to be eaten, period. <laughs> but yeah, that's just how quarantine goes. Yeah, like, I gained so much weight. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, and it's so hard to like try to lose that weight because all you're doing is like on your screen, on your phone, or on your computer, just binging yeah. shows while you're eating. Mm hmm. I also know my sleeping schedule in the beginning of quarantine was so bad. Like, my days and nights were switched up. But now I, like, kind of fix it, but still kind of bad. How about you, Cece? The same goes for me almost, but the thing with me is that I didn't really change my schedule, like, even now. I think it's still the same as it was in the beginning of quarantine, which is really, like, random I guess because like I would like sometimes I'd stay up until like three trying to get work that I didn't do in the morning done so it's important for you to keep your sleeping schedule in check make sure you know when you're sleeping and when you're awakening <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah so get the full eight hours of sleep or more um yeah I know a lot of people are using this quarantine to try new things out because now they have the time to do so I know I have, but some things you could do are to exercise, you could go outside, and you can talk to your friends, obviously, like, not meet up in big groups, but you can go on other platforms such as Zoom, even though it's not the best, it's still something, and you can read or go study from the lack of studying we've been doing. And honestly, you can do whatever you wanted to do, something that you always wanted to do, but never tried. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, you always just, it's like the thing with like, um, you always have a hard time starting. But like, if you like really sit down and like, for like, even like two minutes or like three minutes, and you really have the mindset of just starting something like you can do it. Like it's smooth sailing from that point on, like exercising, if you put your mind to it, you can exercise. 
the only thing that's really stopping yourself from exercising is yourself. So you just have to get over that barrier, kind of. Yeah, I've actually yeah. started exercising, and oh my god, Ooh. I'm so sore. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like, like for the, I, it's like a week I've been starting, and then the first few days, I it literally hurt to sit, and. <laughs> It was so. I just realized how unfit I was. But yeah, it's nice to turn on something while you're exercising if you're not motivated to exercising. But it's also equally important for you to exercise properly, and like an activity like the treadmill, like you can go on it and you just run on it. So like if you watch a show, it doesn't make that big of a difference. But if you're trying to do something like I don't know, work on your core or like yoga, I think you really need to focus for stuff like that. So it depends yeah, on the I've situation. Been doing, like the Chloe Ting ones, and those exercises kind of make you realize how long thirty seconds can be. It, it's it's like regular time thirty seconds. It's like no big deal, but you're exercising, and for those fifteen minutes, every thirty second workout seems like. The worst thing in the world, but in the end, it's like worth it. So I think if you put in hard work, it will become something. For the social aspect of it, we want to remind our listeners to, of course, social distance six feet apart for the health and well-being of those of you and those around you. But um, I know for me, my friends and I, we did a Zoom birthday party. The other day and that was so fun like there's so many activities you can actually do on zoom that like you really wouldn't think would be possible on zoom but there's like scribbleio you can do or like maybe not on zoom you can go on like netflix party with a group of friends or you can have like you can go outside and have like a picnic with your friends but again it's important to social distance yeah any any thoughts julia yeah, i i've actually i did a lot of facetime and I know my sister, her friends. Like it was her birthday during the quarantine, so they literally just dropped their gifts off in front of her house, and then they were in their in their car and they told her happy birthday, and then they drove off. So it was like they still kept their six feet apart, and but you could still see each other like that. And it's good to have some social interaction during the, these times. I know for me, I like just recently started talking to people like physically like physical human form and I realized how I totally forgot to interact with people over like the five months four months of quarantine we've been in so it really is important to keep in touch with your friends um like via FaceTime um it's also important to see them physically in addition to socializing with other people I think like education is kind of important as a student I've been prepping for like SAT accepting tests and like SAT tests which are kind of annoying <laughs> are you prepping for any of those yeah same for me honestly like I have an SAT prep book like right in front of me that's like kind of looking at me because I haven't really opened it but it's it's such a good time to be motivated and be productive because you really don't have anything else to do if you're trapped in all day um yeah so like prep for SAT I know I'm prepping for SAT and um, the SAT math too right now. Yeah, so, me too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to just get started. Yeah. yeah even if it's like not an so educational aspect, like 
in the beginning of quarantine, I started reading. Like, I honestly thought I hated reading. But I think it's because I never had the time to find books that I actually like and enjoy. But since you can't go to, at least in my town, you can't go to the library. So I've been reading, like, ebooks. And the library has, like, an ebook website thing. And I've just been borrowing books from there. Mm-hmm. I know, um, for me, like, I've been, I think I said this before in the podcast, but I've been reading Twilight books as well. So if you, like, just search up the PDF of it, it'll usually come up, like, some, like, book title, PDF. Some copy will usually come up. So I've been doing that a lot. Um, yeah. So I think reading is, reading is such a nice hobby to pick up during quarantine because reading teaches you so much about people, teaches you so much empathy, teaches you to, like, put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good life skill, especially during time like this. Mm -hmm. I agree. And honestly, you can get as creative as you want. Like, do anything. Anything that you wanted to do but couldn't. But always remember to social distance and wear a mask if it involves going out. I think it's really important to stay creative. Like what you said, like, just to just to use your mind as much as you can. Like, I'm writing a screenplay right now. And I want to finish it by, I don't know, like before the new school year starts but like I have so much time to work on it because I'm literally not doing anything else besides sleeping and watching Netflix so yeah be creative moving on to self-improvement self-improvement methods are different for literally everyone and you should try to find a balance that works for you but some tips I recommend is like not making huge goals for yourself you should start small and focus on one change at a time. You would have one big overarching goal, but you should have smaller sub goals so you can accomplish one, one by one to reach the big one. The thing about self-improvement is as the days go by, you're getting older and you're getting more mature. So as long as you come out a better person from like after quarantine, as you did going into quarantine, I think that's the biggest part. Of self-improvement as it as long as you like pick up like a new hobby like julia and i were talking about or like you exercise or you do something or like you display like self-control over something like anything can be considered self-improvement yeah and the time and effort you invest will be rewarded in the end i'm sure of it so that's all the advice we have for today thank you thank you In this episode of A Pop of Psych, we went over the mental health impacts of the pandemic and gave you guys some advice for how to cope with the quarantine. As a general PSA, I also want to remind people to be safe and practice social distancing measures and wear masks in the event that you go outside. Please look forward to our next few episodes and also go to our website for the scripts and resources that we used. And feel free to use the contact form on our website to give us more feedback on what you want to hear. Thank you for listening and we'll be back soon.